Welcome back to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, as always, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Evening, Alex. Yeah, doing really well. Yeah, look, uh, it's a really interesting week to to review the Fulham game. Um, I sort of wrote in the in the show notes or in the show preview um, for the episode. It, it, it's a really weird result because, in a way, it feels like a positive result in the sense that I feel like it could have been a much worse scoreline given the form that we'd been in and, and everything like that. But at the same time, 2-0 loss, it's a bit of a difficult one to take all the same. So how did you feel coming out of the Fulham game? Yeah, probably much the same as yourself. It, it really was uh, kind of one of those games that, yeah, you went into feeling, uh, you know, fairly pessimistic that we would take uh, certainly three points and, uh, you know, very optimistic that we could maybe settle for one. But uh, I think it was probably, uh, in some ways, as much as we regret to say it, it's probably exactly what we thought would happen. Um, Fulham are a class side, and with the with the war chest of uh, you know of money that they've they've been able to to spend in the off season, um, and obviously coming back down and, and having parachute payments, they've they just really have a squad that uh, really kind of outshone uh, the, the the city squad that we have at the moment, and. There's a there's a large element of humble pie that that we need to kind of swallow um, as we settle back into the championship as uh, perhaps well certainly a far less fancy team. I think you know in future years when we've been in the championship we've probably uh, maybe surpassed expectations in some seasons, but more often than not been seen as some of the bigger fish in the pond. And uh, I think that there's a, a really you know hard sense of reality that's settling in for for city fans now after the. <laughs> The highs of the the Preston away win uh, that kind of you know alludes to what our squad is like um, and I guess a realistic um, expectation for the end of the season is certainly at this point to survive. Uh, there's a, a long way to go and we know what can happen. Um, but uh, Saturday was certainly a, a very good taste of of what uh, what I believe is probably the best team or there or thereabouts in in the division and you know they they were a class above. Yeah, I think Fulham have spent more money this transfer window than the rest of the league combined. So it, it says something about the funds at their disposal. And look, I think you've said it well there. And and, and coming out of the game, it was probably the most um, chastening or, or the most sort of depressing element of it was, as you say, readjusting to our current lot in life in the championship in, in the sense that we're not one of the big fish in the championship as we have been at times. We're not challenging for automatic promotion or even challenging for the top six as, as things stand anyway. Um, but really it is just to survive. It really is just to get our feet under the on, on the ground, up and running, um, get some experience and some game time into Lewis Potter, Wilkes, uh, Honeyman, players like that who hopefully in the next couple of seasons, if we can build a solid platform in the championship, it's then we can show that sort of ambition to, to challenge at the top end of the division. But it is, it is frustrating all the same to be a club that for so long, you know, for the last decade have, have spent quite a few years in the Premier League, have spent quite a few years around the top end of division to find ourselves, you know, one, one of those clubs just hoping to survive in the championship. Yeah, without a doubt. And all, all you got to really do is look at the, you know, the squad and the and the average age. is It's, uh, for the most part, a really young squad and uh, a lot of people are, you know, playing their highest level of football that they've played in in the championship. So, I mean, with that, whilst there there is elements that Tom Huddleston, um, you know, alluded to when he signed, was that there's there's some really good young potential, um, 
players there and they're really keen learners. That's exactly what they are. They're learning the ropes. And I think that, um, you know, we, we are going to have to be patient and and it's going to be a test to, to get behind this side every week because I think it will be a roller coaster in the sense that we probably won't be used to the success that certainly we had last year when we, you know, became very familiar with uh, with winning week in, week out. Yeah, certainly. Um, only the one change, I think, from um, the midweek clash with Derby with um, Bernard coming in at centre-back for Jones. Um, reasonable debut. I think it was a really tough game for him to debut in against one of the form sides in the division. But um, I thought he put in a serviceable display. I thought he, he was quite strong. Um, and I thought Doherty was probably the other standard. I mean, you know, we'll probably talk more specifically about players when we talk about our MVP votes. But, you know, Doherty as well was probably the other standout. Yeah, I thought so. I actually, with, uh, Bernard, I, I didn't think did himself any real uh, caused himself any real problems. Although, I guess a, an argument could be made that he was somewhat at fault for the second goal. Uh, mm, the ball yeah. sort of laid across him and then sort of bounced off him into the path of um, Cavalio. But uh, at the same time, as you mentioned, it's such a difficult fixture to to make a debut and and um, you know to have to kind of really speed up that defensive partnership um, in in probably away from home against the, you know, arguably the best side. So definitely a, an interesting debut for him. Um, and I guess the other thing for me was, uh, you don't like saying it, but I thought Ingram was was pretty good as well, considering, uh, you know, it ended 2-0 and it was uh, by all means very comfortable for Fulham. I thought he made some fantastic saves and, um, you know, could have been a lot more. Yeah, look, I posed the question to Dan last week about whether we used the opportunity to bring Baxter in and, and we sort of, it was good to see that we stuck firm with Ingram because I think he showed in this display against Fulham that, you know, one bad performance doesn't make him a bad keeper. Um, and he had a fantastic season last year and it wasn't even a bad performance against Derby. It was, you know, a fumbled shot of the ball, um, which ended up in the back of the net um, and was fine for the rest of the game. So it was good to see him bounce back in that sense against Fulham and to see that McCann held his faith in Ingram as well. Um, from from McCann's point of view, are, are you a little bit concerned that for that first goal for Mitrovic, um, a set-piece goal, sort of, what was it, two goals against QPR as well from set-pieces, um, previous season the championship as well, we showed a bit of weakness at set-pieces. It seemed as if last season we'd turned the corner. We were, you know, we'd worked on a lot of set plays ourselves in training and were able to take advantage of League One sides. Um, are, are you concerned at all that we're sort of falling susceptible to set pieces again this season or, or not so much? Look, it's it's round four. I think if we're, we're going to start, you know, becoming that nitpicky, I think it's it's going to be a very difficult road. The, the one thing that I will say is when I saw the the first goal that Mitro scored in, you know, in, in real time, it certainly looked like Greaves had been taken out, and then when you watch the replay, he kind of just collided with the with the full very, attack. Very basketball it, sort of screen mm, block on uh, Greaves. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, if 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 we're if we're going to read into it, then yeah, potentially if you you know add that up with the the goals at QPR. Uh, where against QPR, where we really did look out of sorts uh, defensively, I probably wouldn't put this one in the same bracket as that. But you know, as you mentioned, that's that's three set piece goals that we've conceded. So uh, let's hope that uh, you know it, we're not talking about the same thing in in a couple of weeks' time when we we see a trend starting to develop. Uh, and then I guess the other one was uh, Josh McGinnis being caught offside a couple of times. I, th- I think I saw the stat he's been caught offside ten times this season already, which is more than. I think more than half the teams in the division. So um, yeah. it's an interesting stat. I, I I don't read too much into it. I think it's him playing off the shoulder, which is what you want with a striker. You want them 
sort of, you know, on another day that fine margin falls in his favour and he's through on goal and gets a goal out of it. So um, it's a hard one to be too critical of, but at the same time probably something you'd want him to be a bit, bit mindful of. Look, 10 times is, uh, you know, it, it's it started to push the friendship, so to speak. And I know that <laughs> that's kind of the way that, that Magenis plays and, you know, he, he got a lot of success from that. I think even the the level of officiating in League One last year, I know there was certainly a couple of goals towards the end of the season as well where we were like, oh, man, he was definitely offside. But, uh, you know, the play continued. So I I think that it's it's definitely a frustrating one. And I think when you watch the games, and you see a striker repeatedly get caught offside um, and it kind of, you know, compromises those really good attacking build-up passages that you create. It becomes just as frustrating for the players who I'm sure are providing the service as it is. So hopefully it's something that, you know, they can they can iron out. And again, he's not something we're talking about in a few weeks' time. Otherwise, I, I fancy that uh, Magenis may find himself, um, you know, uh, it, uh, I would say off the bench. But, uh, you know, with, with obviously with Wilkes to come back and, um, you know, with with a new signing coming in, uh, you know, he would want to make sure that he's he's still contributing in a in a positive manner and the fans have his blessing. Certainly, yeah. Um, did you want to give your three votes for the game? Yeah, so uh, we've already kind of alluded to them. The three points for, for mine was was definitely Ingram. Um, I, I thought you, you touched on it briefly with Doherty. I thought he looked the most likely and um, and worked really hard in the middle. Um, KLP didn't have the same influence that that I've expected. I thought Smith was was a bit of a pest, but and I probably split either of them for the one point. But it was just one of those games where it was so difficult to to have a, a clear three two one. We just didn't really look to um to cause them too many problems across the ninety minutes. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you for those. I think for me, I'm just going to give the three to Doherty instead of Ingram, but I'll give Ingram the two votes all the same. I think for me, Doherty, especially when it was still nil-nil, seemed to provide us with the most threat going forward. And and unlike in previous weeks where I've, I felt like he was quite shot shy, he did seem to take it on a couple of times in this one, which was good to see. And um, yeah, you know, look, on another day at, at nil-nil, we can... Put, put, put the ball in the back of the net from one of those opportunities and it's a different game. So I really liked his endeavour going forward. Um, and then, as you say, Ingram for the two votes, I think he was he put in a terrific display. There was a lot of chances there that Fulham could have made it a much uh, more one-sided scoreline and, and he really kept us in it. Um, and then, yeah, I think Smith had a, had a really good game in midfield as well. And he he's really proving quite capable in both Moncur and um, Honeyman's absence. So to me, a really interesting conversation when everyone's back and available to see what happens there. And and let's let's also not forget, Alex, that we we haven't seen Wilkes, we haven't seen Honeyman yet, mm. who were uh, you know definitely, if not our two most, definitely some of our most influential players last season. So still, there's still a lot of gelling that is currently taking place and needs to take place before I think even the players feel like there's that you know the, the level of synergy that we hope to see. So yes, yeah, gloom and gloom. Absolutely, and I think in a way it's it's been good. You know, derby game aside, I think it's been quite a fortunate opening set of fixtures where um, we probably didn't expect to get anything out of Fulham or this forthcoming game against Bournemouth, um, and that, and that QPR game, QPR being one of the sides that are really tipped to be one of the sides challenging for promotion this season. Um, I think having Honeyman, Wilkes, even Moncur out suspended at the moment. Um, it's not panic stations yet. I think we've got our best football ahead of us. And I think if those players can get back and fit and uh, back in the form that we saw last season, as you say, um, there's still a lot more to come from us as well. So 
you know, it's four games into the season. It's it's a really it's a it's a hard game, as we've sort of said already. It's a hard game to review in the sense that yes, it's our third loss in a row. Yes, it's a two 0 loss. It's another game without scoring, but it's hard to be too negative on it just because of all the context around it. And yeah, and I guess equally, you ask yourself the same question and think if if we were a championship team who had got promoted into the Premier League and this was a trip. And I'd be, I'd be very careful how I word this, but if you're if you're away to Manchester City or someone like that, which you know you can draw comparisons in, as far as the championship goes with Fulham, would we be disappointed? And I think that the sooner we come to terms with the reality of the squad we've got, you know, there are some really big away days and some really stern tests with some quality uh, players in the championship that just don't exist in League One. And so yeah. once we accept that, I think it's far more easier to digest that these trips to the big clubs are going to be difficult to get things from. And yeah. we need to make sure that those competitive, you know, bottom games are the ones where we really show our teeth. Absolutely. And um, another player potentially to come into the side is um, the signing that you alluded to just before, which is Tyler Smith, who's supposedly coming in from Sheffield United. Um my understanding, my, my sense of it is, I guess it's either going to be a loan with an option to buy or it's going to be that he'll be released by Sheffield United to get around the fact that we can't pay a fee. Um, scored seven in 23 for Swindon last season in League One. By all accounts, he's sort of quite a different striker to what we have in Magennis and Eves. He's sort of off the shoulder, quite pacey, gets in behind. Um, so, you know, he's he offers something different. Um, I think we've sort of said previously that, I mean, well, at least personally, my, my biggest concern is probably down back and, and probably wanting to get in a more experienced centre-back. So I, I'd have probably rather that we go for that or focus on that rather than another forward option. But in saying that, we haven't scored in the last three games. Um, you know, it, it's probably worth bringing something in just to, to give us something a bit different up forward as well. Absolutely. I think that, the, the you know, the more attacking options that we do have and particularly different stylistic attacking options that we can create is, is going to be helpful. Uh, I, again, I don't want to jump the gun, but just thinking about the, the signing of Tom Huddleston now, and I know he's, he's only featured briefly, but from all reports, even he said, you know, I, I need a few games to get me up to up to speed. But when he has played, he does just look to be that, you know, that extra clinical piece on the ball that really settles us. And I I think that if we end up changing our shape to suit Tom Huddleston, that also may provide, you know, that that little bit of extra coverage for those those defenders. And I think that'll provide a, a lot of support for working out our most effective defensive pairing and, you know, and how they play. So uh, there's still so much to learn and it's such a uh, it's been such a rapid pace start to the season. As you said, we've had some very, very difficult fixtures and it's such a different puzzle to solve for McCann. So Without the the doom and gloom, I'm really interested to to see how Grant McCann, you know, develops um, his strategic thinking, and and how we end up playing, and how different that will be from from what we saw last season when we featured in League One. Yeah, and I think I saw I don't know if it was the under 23s or something like that that were playing the other day, where I think Huddleston tweeted out that he got the 90 minutes under his belt as well. So. Positive signs from him if he's starting to get up to full fitness as well, and it might well be that after the international break we can um, start to see him either start games or play much bigger roles in in the fixtures as well, which would be um, certainly good to see. Um, Okay, well, let's move on then. It's our triple flashback feature back for another week. Um, We did tweet out just before the episode started to let everyone know what the theme for this week is, and transfer window does close at the end of this month so we thought we'd go for 
uh, transfer themed uh, uh, clues or, or themes for this week and for our next episode as well. Um, so for this week, Logan, the question is, can you name the three high or the players that have attracted the three highest fees for City? We're talking outgoings that we've we've sold on. Yes, that, or we've, the, that we've sold. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think the obvious one it has to be Harry Maguire. I think that's the the biggest in our club's history, if I'm not mistaken. Or actually, that's the truth because he went to Leicester before he went to Manchester United, which was around about uh, twenty million pounds there or thereabouts. Um, Andy Robertson would be would be the other um, that that comes to mind, and and well, actually, Jared Bowen. Um, if if not Jared Bowen, I can't remember what Snodgrass went for, but I think that was substantially less. That, that's the three that I would lock in. I'd say Harry Maguire, Andy Robinson, and Jared Bowen. So you've got two of the three are correct. So Jared Bowen was was has gone for the highest fee in our history at twenty two million. Uh, Harry Maguire did go for about seventeen million when he went to Leicester. Yep. Andy Robinson only went for about three or four million in the end, because I think we got him, we sold him, and then in the swap we got Kevin Stewart back. So there was a bit of a, a swap that went on there. Um, okay. Without without telling me who it is, can you tell me the price of, of how much they went for? So so they went for up to 16.5 million. I suspect that all of the clauses weren't met, which might also give you a little bit of a clue. But what I will say is it was a player that left in the same window as Maguire and Robertson. Um, went to a Premier League club, but is now currently playing in the Championship. Oh, I'm, I'm going to kick myself when I find out who this is. Um, um, I, can, I can give you another clue. So he joined us the season that we went up the second time under Bruce. So he was a Championship signing for Bruce. Why Why can I not get this one? Uh, Robbie Brady. Yeah, wow. No, no, no. So second, second time he went up under Bruce. So... Um, Snodgrass, uh, Snodgrass, Brady, who is it? It's it's really starting to bother me. Uh, so it's Sam Klukas. Sam Klukas, of course. You wouldn't even you wouldn't have you wouldn't have thought of because it's 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 so hard to it, you wouldn't associate him with such a high fee. But he yeah he went to Swansea for uh, a fee of up to sixteen and a half million pounds, and I think he I think he had a pretty awful season with them and, and went to Stoke, and that's why every time he plays against Swansea, he scores for Stoke. And then he, I don't know if you saw the celebrations the other week. He uh, got the shirt off and really gave it to them, which was uh, pretty pretty funny to see. And it's fascinating when you think about the star power that was around Sam Klukas. I know that he definitely uh, I do not want to be critical of Sam Klukas because I thought that he ended up being actually you know quite a fantastic player for us in patches. But when you think about the company that he kept in that squad, it's it's very interesting to see the that, that he features in that top three. That that really surprises me. Yeah, no, and and again, not being disrespectful to him because I thought he had a fantastic spell with City, but it was definitely one of those players who was sort of in the right spot at the right time where he joined us as his career was just on an upward trajectory. Scored that great goal in the Premier League for us against Watford as well, which I reckon was probably the moment that Swansea set up and took notice. But um, it seemed as if he was in the right place at the right time and then he went to Swansea and it's all sort of fallen apart a little bit for him. And look, you know, Stoke looking a great uh, great side this season, so so maybe it'll start to come together again for him. But uh, he has all the attributes. He was, I remember, I'm pretty sure we signed him as a um, almost like a left winger or a left-sided midfielder. And then he sort of would either drift from the left into the midfield or start in the central midfield position. And um I think did he, he he would have started opening day against Leicester as well um, when we only had the eleven fit players or whatever. So um, yeah, I 
you know, I, I think he had a pretty decent season for us that year, but it is kind of, as you say, it's a bit strange to to think of him as, as being that sort of the third most um, expensive sale in the history of the club. Yeah. Uh, well, 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 I was going to well played to Sam Klukas and um, obviously a, a, a huge cash in for, for Hull if we, we signed him at the right time by the sounds of things. Yeah, no, for sure. Because you, as you were thinking Snodgrass and Livermore, uh, Livermore was the other one. I think they both got sold for about 10 million pounds because I remember at the time there was that running joke that we basically just sold everyone for 10 million pounds, um, which is quite funny as well. Um, okay, well, we'll move on then and we'll talk about uh, the game coming up against Bournemouth, which, uh, funnily enough, talking about Klukas and that season in the Premier League, um, that season was the only season that we played games against Bournemouth in the last 15 or 16 years, which is quite remarkable. It's you know, we got promoted under Steve Bruce and then they were promoted to the championship and then we got relegated, they went up. It, a lot of uh, sort of sliding doors moments that we've just missed them in, in the divisions, which is sort of funny how it can work out that way sometimes. Um, managed by Scott Parker, they've won two of their first four games back in the championship. Well, sorry, second season back in the championship. Um, lost to, lost 6-0 to Norwich this morning in the League Cup as well. So, um, I mean... Probably haven't started as well as you might have expected. I think they're not quite, you know, they're not running away with the division like West Brom and Fulham are, but still certainly up there, still have quite a strong squad as well. So really tough opponent again. Yeah, definitely one of the one of the games that, you know, we had to be fearful of at the start. Some great competition. And I mean, it's it's one of those clubs that you admire, like the particularly the recent history of Bournemouth. They have done such a great job to, you know, establish themselves as a as one of the, I guess, top tier clubs in in England, and did a, a great job of staying in the Premier League for as long as they have. Um, I, I still remember the the Gold Sands, or at least it used to be called the Gold Sands. It was that that journey of when they got promoted to the Premier League. It was kind of comical that there was going to be a club that I think had a, st- a stadium that seated eleven thousand people, and they were going to be a Premier League club. And so, you know, to see what they've done is is fantastic. And you know exactly the fact that we're talking about it now, um, as as Bournemouth being one of the one of the fearful matchups or the bigger clubs in the division. You know, fair play to them, and it's going to be a very stern test, um, as you mentioned, particularly coming off that that six uh, six goal thumping. Uh, it's going to be a very very uh, targeted tie for them to get back on track. I would assume. Yeah, and look, and they've still got a lot of players in their side that they signed or, or, or had playing for them in the Premier League. I mean, Dominic Solanke up top, sort of maligned in his time at Liverpool, didn't really get up to much there, um, moved to Bournemouth, didn't do a whole lot in the Premier League, but he's really tearing it up in the in the Championship at the moment for them. Um, they've still got Brooks on one wing, and they've got Billing in the in central midfield, who's sort of developing into a more attacking, dangerous player as well. So they, they've got a lot of firepower on that side, and... Um, yeah, look, it'll be a tough one. I think Scott Parker's a good manager for them. He's he's probably a bit more capable than the managers that they had last season and um, will certainly have them up there challenging for the playoff places, if not um, automatic spots. Um, do, you, do you sort of see any changes to our side for this one or are you sort of happy to try and go again with the same 11? Uh, there's there's no one off the off the top of my head that kind of you know re- requires a, a walk up start straight into the team. I mean, uh, it'd be interesting to see Huddleston's probably the uh, the question mark is is how much of a role will he play? Uh, I wouldn't expect to see him start, um, but I, I do expect him to probably get some minutes. I think that you know playing a playing a club of the likes of Bournemouth, um, his experience would be invaluable out there, particularly. 
you know, seeing what we're coming off at the back of Fulham. So I guess it's probably a case for him to to find his way into the into the team somewhere. But um, I, I assume we get um, we would also get Monker back from uh, from the suspension. Ooh. I think it was a three game, so it might be actually the game oh. after this one. Uh, yeah, that's right. So, uh, assuming he's not fit, um, you know, uh, there's there's not too much that we'll see except um, uh, maybe Randall Williams injured, I believe. Mm. In- yeah, that, that, yeah, that's true. He 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 may also also miss out. So, uh, you'd probably expect to see a manual start. Maybe um, it's it's it'll be interesting, but I. Uh, it's a hard one to have a stab at. I, I don't really know how McCann's going to play this, and just just tactically, uh, are we going to you know try and be a little bit more more defensive, or is is Bournemouth a, a good opportunity for for him to kind of you know let the cat amongst the pigeons and and just you know commit to throwing bodies forward and see if we can't you know do something crazy like we did on the opening day? I, I just it's a really interesting fixture. Yeah, no, definitely, and I think Hallison's actually a really good shout because I think having that little bit more experience and uh, control of the ball in our midfield might actually play quite well into our favour if we can um, just take a bit of the bit of the game away from Bournemouth who, who like to pass it around a bit and um, get at us. So Huddleston coming into the side wouldn't actually be the worst shout, so I wouldn't mind seeing that either. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, as, as you say, other than that, there's no one who really is calling out for a start and there's no one really demanding to be taken out of the side either. So I think... I'd be, you know, maybe if Jones is fit. I, I don't know if I've seen any reports on Jones um, and his fitness, whether he'd come back into the side for Bernard, um, or even if if we're happy to go with Bernard again, you throw Jones back into the midfield, um, where he had some quite strong displays last season as well. So, so that's also another option. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess maybe maybe another question mark over Smallwood. I, I, I McCann really really fancies uh, Richie Smallwood. I think he sees something that you know that he obviously likes and. Perhaps he's one of those kind of unsung hero leaders, um, you know, behind closed doors that that has a role. He, he obviously got made the club captain and is uh, seems to be well revered. But uh, I, I do see a lot of criticism, despite his uh, fantastic opening day at, at Preston. Um, you know, well, and maybe 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 Huddleston comes in for Smallwood. To be honest, and and maybe he does, or maybe he uh, Smallwood plays sixty minutes. We we just don't know. It's uh, like I said, it's it's a really intriguing matchup for mine. I, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, certainly. Um, well, then, just before we head off, um, do you have a score prediction or, I guess, a, uh, a result that you'd be, be happy to accept, I guess, is, is a way to phrase it? Look, I, just, you know, when we when we break the season down and we look at these these runners, runs of games, you certainly would have looked at these first four fixtures and gone, they're really tough. But just the manner of losing to, to falling in, a, in such a convincing manner, I would really love to see a point here. So, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna back the lads in, and I'm gonna say that we're gonna uh, we're gonna go one all. Yeah, I was actually good shout. I was just gonna say I think one one's a re- a good uh, a good score to aim for. I think um, if we can get on the score sheet, I think's what I'd like to see. I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't complain with a nil nil. I'll take a nil nil as well. But it would be good to get back to scoring ways, and you know, get Lewis Potter on the score sheet or Magenis back on the score sheet as well. So. Um, yeah, look, a one-one in this one would be would be a good way to enter the um, international break as well. Um, well, well, thank you for joining me this week, Logan. My pleasure, Alex. Great to be here. Uh, no worries, and and thank you everyone for listening in. We we won't be back next week because we do have the international break, but we will be back the week after that to uh, look back on this Bournemouth game, wrap up the transfer window, as well as look ahead to the following fixtures. So until then, come on, City.
You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back, cause you're amber and black till you die.